I don't usually go to poetry journals for the articles. But for quite a few years now, I've been thinking about an article that was published in Rabbit back in 2018, Rabbit issue 24. It's an article by a writer called Rachel Nielsen. And in it, she looks at a number of Instagram poets. And Rachel takes a view that I had never properly considered before. I guess my attitude to Instagram poets was pretty dismissive. I guess the kindest thought I had about poetry on Instagram was, well, that's not for me. So I don't really need to consider what's going on there very deeply. But Rachel's article got me to actually think about what it is to make work on a platform like that and what are some of the pressures that these writers are under, what is it they're actually trying to do and how far can they go towards achieving that given the constraints that they're working in. So finally, after years of thinking about it and a little bit of online stalking, I finally found Rachel and managed to catch up with her. Rachel is not at this point all that engaged with writing and poetry anymore, which she talks a little bit about in this interview. And in a way that's kind of great because she was a little bit more free to say exactly what she thought. Before we get into the interview, here's a little bit from the article itself. Marketing and social media are as conservative as the collective audience you are trying to woo. I found this played out in the Instagram accounts of all the poets I follow. To varying degrees, they all caught the expectations and sometimes conservative mandates of marketing. The degree to which they submit to conservatism and commercialism, however, is dependent on a few factors, one being how socially progressive their work, agenda and audience are. So she goes on to unpack that idea a bit by looking at a number of Instagram poets in particular. One of them is called Laura Mathis, another is Segovia Amel, and then, of course, Rippy Kaur. And by looking at these poets in terms of what they have to do to stay popular and relevant on Instagram, Rachel gets so far beyond the question of, is this good poetry or not? And we do get into that, don't worry. But there's more to it. There's a lot more to it. Basically, the question that Rachel is posing here she sums up at the end of the article, she's talking about who is given the most space to speak and how daringly. It's really stayed with me, this piece. I, I'm certainly not all of a sudden converted to Insta poetry at all. I still have the same prejudices, I'm pretty sure. But I'm so aware that we're really close to this kind of third rail question in this interview, what is real poetry? And I know I've got a few new listeners. First of all, welcome. It's lovely to have you here. Uh, my name is Alice. I'm a nerd from Melbourne. I, yeah, I'm conscious of the fact that you might be listening to this and you might be somebody who writes poetry and puts it up on Instagram. And so I'd love to hear from you if that's the case. Let me know if you think that Rachel and I are being horribly unfair let me know if you feel some of these pressures that she talks about. You can reach me on Twitter at poetry underscore says. 
I've also set up an email address recently because obviously Twitter is an ongoing trash fire. Um, poetry says pod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you on this episode or any episode. In the meantime, here is my conversation with Rachel Nielsen. A long time coming. I'm so happy that you're here. You know, I had I thought I had to become like a pop star or yeah. like an actress to get here. No. But somehow poetry is getting me into <laughs> Poetry is the new pop, man. <laughs> well, absolutely. I had to I had to talk to you because I think it was Milk and Honey when I first saw uh, on uh, on the uh, New York Times, and I was like, wait, what is this, and who is this girl? And I I didn't know it. the drawings, uh, the poetry. I mean. You do all of it, right? This all your. Yeah. I wanted to start by putting my cards on the table, okay, awesome. just so you know where I'm coming from, because okay. I I don't know yeah. precisely from reading your article where you mm. land on this, but for me, yeah. I don't like Instagram poetry. Okay, I me think too. it's silly. <laughs> okay, me too. Right. I really, um, yeah, I really lean that way too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Um, we don't have to fight. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. I was watching a little interview. Emma Watson was talking to Rupi Kaur for her. Mm -hmm. She did a series called Our Shared Shelf mm -hmm. in 2018. Yeah. And she was, she was talking to Rupi and saying, she was citing this mm. statistic that keeps getting thrown around mm -hmm. or kept getting thrown around. 6.7% mm. of Americans have only read one poem mm -hmm. in the last year. Mm -hmm. And Emma says to Rupi, someone reading one of your poems on Instagram that could mark the advent of their first interaction with a poem. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching this going, I don't think it does. Same, because I barely <laughs> think it constitutes poetry. Okay. Well, this is really interesting because yeah. that, that stance doesn't... The reason that I'm mm. so keen to talk to you is because mm. reading your piece in Rabbit and all the way mm. back in 2018, mm. I was like, this is the first thing I've read mm. that actually takes instagram poetry seriously mm. or at least seriously enough to look beyond mm. oh it's it's vapid and yeah and meaningless yeah. yeah so which is very much what i was taught to do doing my undergrad in writing and then you know in the course i was doing where that work was produced i mean and particularly within the editing course that i was um where that kind of article came out of like so many of the things we were... I mean, Rabbit was great. I really loved what we were producing in Rabbit. It was probably the highest quality stuff I was working on. But so much of the stuff within, like, the examples of stuff that uh, we were given that were at, was actually published was, like, just, like, horrifyingly, like, for, for money. Okay. You know I mean? And were, like, inc <laughs> incredibly, like, just worthless projects. You know, I just felt like had just... <laughs> Um, so little value. This was at uni in Canberra? Uh, this was, um, when I was doing the editing and publishing course in Melbourne. Okay. Yeah. Okay. At a so. university that will remain nameless. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, interesting. All right. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, okay. But so you, you decided to take this work seriously enough mm -hmm. to at least write this piece about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Because very, um, yeah, I've done a lot of study of poetry in my undergrad in Canberra and then again like was focusing on poetry within my editing and publishing course the we had different projects we were working on and I was working on the rabbit one so and that was probably one of the best semesters because I really enjoyed like the quality of work within like the rabbit kind of publication um 
and yeah I think it is important to me to kind of like look beyond um just how things might appear particularly things that I coded femme because there's so much of like oh you know well it's just kind of like it's crap or it's silly or it's feelings or it's pink so it's not sort of any good um but uh yeah so there's definitely these like elements of like Instagram poetry that I was interacting with a lot and really interested in Mm. and there's some and I you know wrote about people who I was interested in for maybe the ways in which things were difficult or complicated or people are making compromises or but but don't look at like where they're coming from and how you know how that all gets mixed up in their expression of their kind of work but also like there was so many other accounts I looked at which like I just wouldn't even bother writing about them because you know I didn't bring them into that article at all just you know but it would have been something else to explore to be like these are people I could barely want to even talk about because it'd just be like um because what they're creating is like not even poetry it's like poetry it's like it's prose just like broken up into like fragments to sort of give it this sense of the epic but it doesn't work like that like that's not rhythm that's not meter and what they're expressing like probably just needs to stay in a journal (laughs) (laughs) what I was thinking on the way out here was like it's definitely not poetry and like yeah I I, maybe I will lose my entire listenership by saying so but uh, (laughs) I I really think that's true but some Mm. of it's really good life advice Mm -hmm. like the um the Rupi Kaur poem Mm. that you cite you don't talk about her very much and so I don't want to spend too much time Mm. on her Mm -hmm. no I have that completely wrong the the Laura Mathis poem mm, that mm-hmm. you quote. So Laura's probably the mm. most interesting of yeah. the examples. Yeah, definitely. Well, mm, I really also like um, Amel as well. But yeah. yeah, so the Laura Mathis poem that you say mm. is really popular is, mm. I'm figuring out which parts of my personality are mm. mine and which ones I created to please mm-hmm. you. Yeah. That's yeah. a cool thing to come that into contact with definitely. as a young woman. Like, yeah, great. that's it. And I think I have the most respect for their, um, for their kind of work in terms of like, the consistency between like their message and their marketing and what their message kind of was and yeah. I think I can understand their kind of style that kind of like tumblr kind of like style yeah it is very tumblr-y mm, yeah sort of meme yeah that's yeah. it there's the, like the brevity of it and so I feel like that made that made sense to me and I, I really respected their kind of like their message um as, like even though it has this um, simplicity to it I feel like they were st- it was still congruent like more congruent than kind of like the others in terms of like message marketing it doesn't drag <laughs> an obvious contradiction through the room and, like, yeah that's knock it. everything over yeah, yeah um it's what's cool about talking to you now because you wrote this in 2018 obviously mm. it's now 2022 so mm. it's I've taken my time getting around to, mm-hmm. to stalking you and finding you and talking with you um, is that these accounts have changed. Some of them have grown mm-hmm. and one in particular went quiet and then came back. Mm. But in, in Laura Mathis's case, mm. um, they've now got, they've all just got just a, just a massive, yeah. massive amount of followers. So Mathis yeah. has 46,000, yeah. Rupikor is 4.4 million and yeah. Segovia Amel has 87,000. Yeah. But this latest one from Mathis, this is also a post mm. they put up 15 weeks ago, um, mm. They have a post with a, it's a pigeon 
shitting on a little kid and the pigeon is saying, be an influencer, stay relevant, sell our product, needing dollars to survive, what's your brand? And then the little kid is just trying to make artwork you mm. find fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's funny because That's it's That's great. Like, yeah. It really speaks to the article and some that I was yeah. working on. Yeah. They're, they're, they're trapped. Yeah. These poets are yeah. trapped inside Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely, it's like, and there would be so much pressure for them to have a bigger following because that has a huge influence on whether you're picked up by a publisher. And that was what was one of the most depressing aspects of my course here in Melbourne is um, it was just, it was just so utterly plain and like spoken about that like followers, you know, like how someone's account looked, how many followers they had was like one of the biggest indicators as to where they would get picked up and then published. Okay. had nothing to do with the quality of the work. Hang on. So I, I genuinely don't know what you studied, so I'm not yeah. being coy. But okay. at, uh, so this course yeah. was about editing, was editing and, and publishing. So it was about getting you published at the end and that was the advice they were giving um, you? No, it wasn't about – it was like okay. us working as editors or within the publishing industry. Okay, but you yeah. were being told go and find people who have big followers. Well, they were they were like they were showing they have different publishers sort of come in and would be given kind of like um, I guess like uh, examples of like of real stuff that had been kind of published or was on the table to be published and um, yeah when I was saying the poetry one there were publishers coming in and they're showing us oh this is the you know this is this Instagram poet who we're gonna publish. <laughs> And it's barely, it's barely poetry. And she's blonde, white, typically pretty. She has millions of followers. Her work is drivel. And she's going to get a book deal. <laughs> I have no idea who this person is. But, um, wow, okay. I can't so, remember the name because yeah, they yeah. just do not. <laughs> it was many years ago and they just, just didn't really try and recall. I just remember like... The, I think it's sort of like, I don't really, I don't remember the name, but it's also like that's somehow poignant because she's just this archetype of, <laughs> of acceptable kind of like just, you know, drivel and she's going to get a book deal. And it's, and like. Did she like, get a book deal? Like Yes, I, absolutely. Okay. Like they were showing, oh yeah, we're going to publish this person. And so that book you know, now exists and is out there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, right. you know, haven't. I can, like, see the images of it. I can, like, see the visuals of it, but I don't remember the name or anything like that. Did this course totally turn you off writing and publishing? Absolutely. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, like, I studied, my undergrad was creative writing. Uh-huh. So that's where you're learning to, you know, actually write poetry. And that's where you're, like, actually doing the creative writing. And then you get out of it and like everyone else, you're like, how do I get a job doing this? Mm. And it's utterly impossible (laughs) and clicky, particularly in Canberra. And um, just, and so I was like, well, I'll do, I'll do something else. I'll do something else relevant to see if that can get me a job opportunity. So I go, okay, well, like maybe doing slightly the other side, being the editor or working in publishing will kind of satisfy. And then it's just like, the most sellout capitalist awful process and um 
I think like it's obviously not like the entire publishing industry I love what I did with Rabbit but like you're lucky if that's if you get to work in these pockets of the industry where you get to have like standards (laughs) you get to like look through things and decide (laughs) yeah this is really worthy (laughs) oh man this is dire okay Uh, yeah (laughs) all right this has just gone in a totally different direction than I expected but this is great so Mm. Yeah, I've been, because I've been thinking about how to approach this topic in, I guess, not as my absolute worst self. Mm. <laughs> and I've been going into bookshops and mm. looking at the, the mm. poetry section, you know, because yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. But also just with this mm. interview in mind and mm. just noting like, okay, so mm. there's always two Lovelace books and there's yes. usually an Atticus. Yes. There's always, you know, Rippy Call. There's always, and it's a, she's yeah. a huge influence on yeah what how poetry books look how they're like what the pagination looks like what the font is Mm. like people are following in her style I don't don't even know if she really has a style but you know like the lack of style (laughs) like yeah it's huge so I have no (laughs) doubt (laughs) you're seeing like more and more of her books and then more and more like poetry books that look like hers too you're just so much darker on this than I expected. This is just <laughs> funny. Okay. Um, while I was doing one of these little reconnaissance missions, I mm. came across this book that's just come out. It's an anthology mm-hmm. of Instagram poetry. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but it came out from, uh, it's called Instagram Poetry mm-hmm. for Every Day. It's a UK okay. publication. Yeah. Um, and it's I really... like a page a day kind of thing. This is every day. Is it like a... It's got this sense of like you would read almost one page a day or it's about everyday things. Uh, It was separated into categories like Mm. there was blackout poems, Mm. the creative section. So where people had like sewn thread through paper and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, it was kind of like trying to show the the breadth Mm. of creativity. I really am starting to (laughs) sleep. Okay. so (laughs) So did you like it? Uh, no, okay. I, did, I didn't like it, but I liked, I liked the way that the, um, the editors kind of framed the argument against mm. Instagram poetry. So I took yeah. a photo of the page and I didn't buy the book. Um, <laughs> so they say here, surely any platform that increases the visibility of and potential for engagement in poetry should be celebrated. Not so for Insta's critics. Various writers have attacked the lack of finesse in Insta poetry, mm. the lack of engagement with tradition, mm. its simplicity and focus on honesty, quote-unquote mm. honesty. Yet what this criticism confuses is the often simple poetry that is presented on Instagram, with Instagram as a platform for poetry of all kinds. Mm. Instagram offers space for poetry written in every genre, including nature poetry, found poetry, conceptual poetry, love poetry, political poetry, lyric poetry, collage poetry, blah, blah, blah. It has become a platform for poets who are also accomplished and celebrated in other areas of the art form, on the page, for example, as well as the stage. I don't think that even they believe any of that. Um, mm. That the, I mean, sure, there there are those different kinds, like the yeah. anthology sort of shows, like, it could look like this or it could look yes, like that. But... Yeah, I don't really care what the topic is. I'm like, <laughs> so what if it's nature or if it's something else? Like, one of the, I think the really big limitations of Instagram is its style. Is it like everything has to be brief on there? You know what I mean? Like, and it's it's a very visual platform, so you can like play with that if you got like, 
you know, a beautiful kind of breaks and kind of like halts in your lines and stuff. Mm. But like, you've got to pick these like small parts, these small sentences, these small bits, yeah, all little, these small mo- like ideas. moments. Yeah. yeah, rather than like a whole dense kind of like page from even like a Mills kind of like book. Like you like, you know, some of these this stuff just wouldn't transfer very well. It would seem too like busy mm. and too long. Mm. So I yeah, I feel like that's 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 you know, like something about Yeah, they're totally not addressing that at all. Yeah. They're like and any poet could use this platform yeah. and they all do and Yeah, and, and I'm sh- like, no, yeah. they don't all use that platform. <laughs> not a, not at all. There are so many poets that are not using Instagram at all. It's like it's very generational. And it depends what your like your message is and also your style. Mm. There's so many styles that would not fit. They would not be um, pretty enough. They would seem to like dense they mm. would like you know that you try and like fit a you know a big paragraph into like a picture and it just wouldn't no one would like you know what like you know no one would like read through that no even like fitting a sonnet into that yeah. square would be hard yeah um well so i don't want to come come to amel too quickly but mm. but she is one of the most interesting examples I so think maybe so too. let's maybe let's just dive Mm-hmm. In so, um, Segovia Amel, who is based in LA, well, pa- perhaps you should describe her rather mm. than me trying to sum her up. She popped up, she went quiet. You mentioned before, yeah, she yeah. went quiet for like years, yeah, but five years apparently, yeah, yeah. years. <laughs> and it was, it's like it's been in the back of my mind, <laughs> you know, somewhere distantly. Being like, I wonder when she's gonna come back. And she popped up again recently. Yeah, just like really she, recently. Yeah, she yeah. cut her hair and she's talking about like a new self. Um, mm. It was all very mysterious. Still, um, I follow too many accounts, so it's like I haven't sort of seen if she's like said more. Um, I guess like the way that I've known her, uh, or kind of like known her work, is that she's got this like wonderful kind of like romantic gothic kind of style and like she uses her herself and her like beautiful long hair and like you know slim kind of like hands and everything in her kind of like her Instagram and then like her images in her poetry and she's been like exploring kind of themes uh to do with like Ophelia and like the dark side of kind of like womanhood um and you know the very dark aspects of of kind of love mm. and kind of violence within that kind of space. There's a example that you cite in the article um, called "I Must Unlove You," mm. and it's it's dark. Mm. Um, By loving you, I've hurt myself. I love you, I hurt myself. It is the way this tale unfurls. I must find it in me to unlove you. Mm. Um, it's got this classic, like, older sort of, I think so much of her poems have, like, make me think of the term masochism because it's also, because it's an old, like, because specifically that word, because it's not the term we would use anymore, it kind of, like, belongs to a different era and, like, a different kind of understanding of, like, pain and trauma. Um, How do you mean? 
I feel like it was not like because my parents are therapists and stuff like I come across like um just particularly like through talking to my dad and stuff I get a sense of like what terms are you know are in the DSM or are in favor and whatnot and masochism really isn't a term that's kind of in favor anymore it belongs to you know like the 40s and something like a 40s kind of understanding of particularly like what women do quote unquote like what their patterns and behaviors are okay you know say oh you know they stayed in abusive relationships because they were masochistic because there's a part of them that like likes pain so is it like masochism is kind of like a word that i think is still very much used in like the kink community and has its own kind of understanding there but it's not really used in psychology anymore as like an up-to-date term but i feel like what the, some of the stuff that she kind of explores reminds me of that older use, like out of date. Yeah, she's definitely like a silver, like... Like a Sylvia Plath kind of like exploration of mm. like pain and being like stuck in it. And yeah, I kind of like that there's something a little bit less like trendy about, <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, like, mm, I totally get that. Mm. The sad thing about Amelie is mm. it turns out she was like in a fucked on a pain and like was like mm. really um ill mm. and uh I didn't know that. yeah so apparently she was you know yeah she was really sick mm. and when she went offline she was going through mm. a divorce as well mm. and i guess that's the other side mm. of um this is where i really get my pearl clutching on mm. um <laughs> is like that's the other side of you know this this whole thing about oh instagram's mm. great because mm. young people are reading it young women are reading it mm. great 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 mm-hmm. um i feel as if it's a little bit of a race to who can be the saddest and who can make yes. the sad their sadness the most beautiful absolutely and she's well within that tradition yeah. absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and and like god if i think about myself at like 15 holy mm-hmm. shit i wanted to be sad and beautiful very badly but um <laughs> there was this this line uh, in an article by a uh, writer called Katie Waldman, she says, there has to be a better way to lift people up with problems than to declare mm. that problems are beautiful. Mm. Who cares if problems are beautiful? Mm. They're problems. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think yeah. that, that the Amal example is so interesting because it kind of dances, um, it walks that line mm. where it's like a sort of, you know, gothic Mm-hmm like 90s goth sort of pain you know like Mm -hmm. pain is beautiful i'm beautiful in my suffering but then turns out she was actually really miserable yeah and which makes sense like Mm. which makes sense because i'm like she's definitely talking from a personal place yeah like she's kind of drawing on a tradition but very much in the sense of this is honest quote unquote like i really am exploring this stuff i'm not just like writings and just pull this out of my ass like i actually <laughs> no i'm not faking it yeah i'm not i guess faking i would it. prefer that she was faking it because i don't mm. want it to be quite so sad like really yeah because the actual reality of what she would have gone through well i guess i just really like fucked up probably yeah which is like you know we all go through fucked up shit but Definitely. like i i guess what sucks about that is then fifty thousand people like it yeah, absolutely. And then you have to keep making it. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to lose all exactly. your Exactly. Now it's a brand. Mm-hmm. And like I keep, you know, like when you like contacted me about this and I was thinking about her again, I got something I didn't put in the article that 
I kind of wish I had is been like the like how much pressure there would be to market herself in a particular way. Yeah. Having that face too. You know what I mean? Like having the look that she does. Mm. You know, like pretty is always like cultivated, but like having uh you know, having the kind of like beauty that she does. Mm. Like being like that would I just there'd be so much pressure. Yeah. I think to then like to use that, yeah. you know, like to, to use that for like, uh, for that blurred kind of like creative exploration and that marketing mm. kind of thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the way in which like there's so many photos of her within the book, which is fine. Like there's nothing wrong with there being a lot of pictures. She's expressing her archetype, but also like there'd be so much pressure to continue with that. Well, to yeah, continue to be like sad, pretty, <laughs> and have the same style. What if she doesn't want yeah. to wear black anymore? Like she was exploring Ophelia, exactly. but now, <laughs> yeah, like she's probably like bound to it. Well, she's she's a yogi now, so it's okay. She's, okay, she's doing she's doing a thing. Um, yeah. So this leads me to my kind of next theory mm. about all this, is it, which mm. is that I think Instagram poetry might actually be over. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I think I think it might be done with because think about the fact that Rupi Kaur, 4.4 million followers, mm. she's doing a world tour. She's on Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Jimmy Kimmel interview is very funny. Um, he is just, he's trying very, very hard to sound like he is excited about okay. this person who yeah. he's never really given a second thought to. Yeah, um, <laughs> he probably was never on his radar. No, no interest like, oh, in yeah, anything so she's Thank ever you. said or stands for. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, so end of end of 2020, uh, pop singer Holsey put out a, mm. a poetry book, Lana Del Rey has just put out Violet Bent Backwards Over the Grass. I love Lana and I, I love yeah, Halsey. Yeah, so like, me too. Yeah, but but um, where could we possibly go from here? I guess <laughs> is what I'm asking you. Like how much bigger mm. could this thing get, mm. really? I mean, I think it'll be so dictated by how much more money can be pumped out of yeah, this trend. Like, true. It'll be mm. like, it'll be, I think that'll be really the deciding factor. And how long can yeah. people continue um, to yeah, hustle? Exactly. Yeah. And it's like when, like at some point the mainstream will get bored with this and there won't be as much money in it. And then the mainstream will move on to harvesting something that was authentic and interesting from some other kind of place. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. But I also feel as if there's a bit of a, like, shared... Um, there's, like, a deal that has been made. I watched this mm. really great uh, YouTuber who reviews pop songs, and he recently mm. did a review of, of Katy Perry's Witness. Mm -hmm. He does this series called Train Records, and he's like, mm -hmm. this is the album that killed this person's career. Mm, how like, fascinating. Yeah, no, yeah. He's, he's great. And, yeah, Witness is apparently the one that, that killed Katy's career. And one of the things he said about it was, you know, I hear from all the fans mm. of all the people that I've done reviews of, but I've never heard from the Katy Cats. Mm. I don't think they exist. And um, and I, I think he's probably right about that. Mm. But, but it also made me wonder, like, how many of the 4.4 million mm. are still there? Yes. Like I have uh, a That's whole... That's a good point. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like... Because like we follow... I follow heaps of accounts, but because I follow... Because I follow so many accounts, mm. you don't see... They don't like... 
turn up again in your feed. You're not like tracking yeah. with them. Well, even when you wrote this article, mm. Instagram would have functioned maybe a little differently. Mm. Um, I only use it a tiny bit for work, but I, my mm. understanding of it is that you do need to interact mm. to be seen. Is that true? The, or? Well, yeah, the algorithm and stuff has changed yeah. a lot yeah. since then. So you so, need to be doing... Yeah, you used to sort of... It's a lot easier to track with different people. They would turn up so much more in your feed, even if you follow quite a lot of people. But now, yeah, depending on like what's like what's happening on your account, how many people are like interacting with posts mm. has a really big effect on like whether those posts actually show up mm. to the followers. So yeah, you're right. Instagram does work a bit differently. I yeah. do find it harder to kind of like... It's really hard to pass now. Like it's hard to know what's even going on. Cause like, yeah, absolutely. It's like you can't, uh, you can't see how many people like a mm-hmm. post they took that away because yeah, they realize right. they're like killing people. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and, and you can see comments, but you can't really get a sense of exactly how many there are. You can kind of mm-hmm. tell if there's lots or just a few. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess it's kind of like back to the example of the Katie Cats. Like mm-hmm. maybe this this population of young poetry hungry mm. um readers mm. they'll probably uh, go back to tumblr you know like the <laughs> well, well they're even there yeah. in the first place is what i'm saying yeah like, <laughs> yeah well it's like well part of it's just generational it's like there's certain generations who are on instagram a huge amount or like you know some people who are on there for for work and different things like that um so I think, you know, if there's, like, poetry-hungry kind of, like, young kids, they'll find poetry, you know. They'll actually – they won't be reliant on Instagram for it. If they if they want yeah. to interact with it online, they will probably go to Tumblr, which I think has um, has a certain style and yeah, probably a better repository of things of that kind of nature. I've done zero research into Tumblr poetry, but I know that it is – Thing. yeah and i yeah. think like um it's it's has a really big influence on the style like yeah. of of instagram poets okay yeah oh my head is spinning i just yeah yeah like, <laughs> can i keep up with all this stuff um can i go back to something you said earlier? please yeah when you were like reading out um uh Oh, gosh, I can't remember who it was. You're reading something out about... Um, oh, oh the, pro- the problem... The oh, like... Uh, making problems beautiful. Uh, I think it was about, like, oh, it can be nature poetry. It can be... Like, oh, well, yes. Yeah. yeah, the introduction yeah. to this this Instagram book. Yeah. Um, um, something that popped into my head was a sense of, like, just while we are talking, being like, that just feels like the bar is really low. Like we just we just need people to view poetry, no poetry matter of any it, kind of any kind. All poetry's oh, good. Exactly, like all poor neglected poetry. We just need everyone to like see it, no matter what. <laughs> it's no matter like its quality. Yeah. You know, no matter whether it, we could really say it's actually part of the genre or not. Yeah. And I mean, like. Yeah. It's. Like, not even good prose, but because it's kind of, like, hacked to pieces in a poetry style, mm. we're like, quick, we need people to view it, we just need people to view poetry, and it's like, oh, come on, 
You know, like that. I just find that bar really low. Yeah. One of the best things about poetry for mm. me is the fact that nobody gives a shit. Yes, and which is a great thing about Tumblr. It's been <laughs> deserted by so many people. Yeah, and now that, everyone's like, cool, yeah, fucking abandoned better. house. Yes, it's better. Excellent. It's better yeah. because it's, you know, like it's just been kind of like pushed to the side. Mm. It's, you know, it's not it's not like just full of, you know, Zanes on like TikTok and stuff. Like it's been <laughs> abandoned so you can just be like, just leave it to the OGs and just like leave it to like... Uh. <laughs> The people who really love it and are committed and will just create a great space on there. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Like, I found that during my course, this sense of, like, oh, poor poetry, it's left out, no one loves us. I'm like, okay, but, like, some of the best things are not crowded with tons and tons of people. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like... Yeah, maybe enjoy the silence. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's... This is sort of reminding me of another article that I dug up so this is from way back in 2017 um guy on the New York Times by the name of Carl Dennis writing in the New York Times um he also cites the 6.7 percent of the population Mm -hmm. statistic and he says surely Cor and her cohort are improving those dismal statistics and even a smattering of their fans moving on to explore other poetry would be welcome news, just as Harry Potter readers moved on to the Hunger Games and a small but significant portion became avid adult readers. I don't think it slights the writers to speculate that insta-poetry may mark the advent of a young adult subgenre the form has generally lacked. Either way, it won't, either way, it won't hurt poetry any worse than it's already hurting. If for a few years a coterie of readers find their thoughts and feelings reflected back at them in verse form. So he's kind of saying a few things there. Mm, yeah, there's a few things that there. That are a little bit contradictory. But, yeah, um, yeah. Some of it I was like, you know, feeling really oppositional to and some <laughs> other bits. I was like, yeah. <laughs> but the, the bit that interests me is this idea that there could be a, a through line a la mm. Harry Potter to the Hunger Games mm. to becoming an adult reader. Mm-hmm. I yeah. also think that's a myth. I just don't yeah. think that you're mm. going to go from Rupikor to... I don't think you'll be prepared for quote-unquote real poetry by reading her stuff. Or mm. even, I mean, even dare I say Amel's stuff or maybe mm. even Mathis's stuff. Like, yeah. Um, it's just a completely different thing. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. don't think it's really... Uh, I mean, something that's, like, wonderful, enduringly wonderful and difficult about poetry is how much it requires you to slow down to really, I think, understand the layers and the nuance and the rhythm of what's happening. Mm. And Instagram poetry is not made for that. It can't be. Exactly, Mm. it can't be. It's, like, Mm. instant consumption. And it's meant to be, like, it's meant to be everything all at once in like two sentences you know all the satisfaction you know all the all the glory all the feelings all the conclusions in in two sentences yeah or two two seconds yeah i keep thinking too about um the way pop music has changed and the fact that i'm not putting this well but yeah i i keep thinking about the way that a pop song in 2021, 22 mm-hmm. is mostly about the drop 
Mm. You know the way mm-hmm. that like yeah. Coldplay kind of went from like parachutes mm-hmm. into mm. um, Queen of China or whatever mm-hmm. it is their Rihanna yes. song. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And, and the way their music sounds now, it's like you wait and yes. you wait and you wait, and then the drop yes. comes and you get that like, satisfying huge yeah. hit of bass mm-hmm. and and yeah. you feel great. And that's kind of yeah. what it is to to come across a poem. Absolutely, it's the yeah. punch. It's mm. absolutely, it's like, it's so much about satisfaction and this like, you know, incredible conclusion and it's all like yeah. wrapped up in this very tight little package. Yeah. And even, even a poem that might look like it is asking a question, mm. um, is still probably it's, giving you that satisfaction just, cause, just by virtue of its, um, its length. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. I feel like the questions are always, um, they feel rhetorical they don't feel <laughs> like just do not feel like they they're not good questions in it they don't it's like there's not enough time put into like setting something up that then you explore and then there's a discussion or like a good question that helps like lead you down what the what the options or the pathways or the answers might be yeah it's it's reassurance yeah which is what you go to a social media platform for like outrage or reassurance yeah, yeah. <laughs> like um. that or if you mean just like general panic. Yeah. <laughs> like every single that. day I'm like, I've got to get off this shit. This is very <laughs> bad. Panic. I have to get away from this now. Um, yeah. I wonder though. So I'm always wary. You know, obviously I'm, I'm worried that I sound like my worst self. I'm worried that I sound like I'm pearl clutching. I also worry <laughs> that I sound like... Um, it's that, that narcissism of the present moment mm. thing, like mm. um, as if there has never been a kind of poetry mm. like this that has seemed mm. so commodified, mm. you know, as if there's never been big yeah. popular kind of yeah. movements that have sort of swept mm-hmm. through and made, made everything um, slightly more, I guess, academic, mm. for lack of a better word, yeah. seem um, inscrutable, like it's yeah, separate. Yeah. And and I I went back to this um, this article written in '91 by a guy called um, Dana Joya. It was called "Can Poetry Matter?" Mm. And this is back in '91, so mm. we don't have internet, or if we do, we're not really using it. Yeah, um, today, poetry is a modestly upwardly mobile middle class profession. Not as lucrative as waste management or dermatology, but several big steps above the squalor of Bohemia. Only a Philistine would romanticise the blissfully banished artistic poverty of yesteryear. But a clear-eyed observer must also recognise that by opening the poet's trade to all applicants, and by employing writers to do something other than write, institutions have changed the social and economic identity of the poet from artist to educator. I think all that still kind of tracks, mm. except the only bit I would change is mm. artist to hustler. Mm, yes. Basically, <laughs> yes. if you you do have to do something other than write, mm. you have to absolutely basically you have to do everything other than you write. You do absolutely. Yeah. Abs- absolutely, it's like, um, yeah. That that's something else that I found like quite sort of depressing. <laughs> the further I got into education, being like my undergrad was about learning to write. And actually spending the time. Mm. And I look back like, what a glorious time to just learn how to write. To just learn how to write really well. And 
and like and just getting all this all this luscious time in my 20s to just explore that mm. explore poetry and prose and read and like hone my craft and you know, do different writing exercises and you talk about books and then uh as I got older there was like less and less time for that and then I realized there was all this other stuff you had to be really good at that just felt like unfair burden you have to be able to market yourself You've got to be able to, like, pitch yourself. You've got to be able to say why you're, like, brilliant. <laughs> or get an agent. Yeah. To do all those things yeah, for you. But, I mean, things. that seems hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's, you know, those are practical things like how to, um, you know, like how to kind of, like, pitch your work to different people. Like, and that stuff was fine. But then, yeah, the Instagram poets, you know, there'd be so much pressure on them to look a certain way, you know, like to put their face forward all the time to be really good at marketing, to be figuring out the algorithm, to, you know, do I take on sponsorships or not? What kind of sponsorships yeah, am I going right. to myself up to? Yeah, there's yeah. all this extra stuff that really, yeah, doesn't have anything to do with writing that is compromising and consuming and... Stressful. Yeah, absolutely. So stressful. Yeah. I couldn't do it. You guys are yeah. safe from me. Yeah. Getting on Instagram. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. Um, well, even I find that pressure, you know, even though I'm doing different things yeah. with my life since then. Um, yeah, like talking about this stuff and particularly looking back at what I was writing about a mill, I was like, you know, and being really interested in, I think, her awareness of like her beauty and the way in which she, she was, she, she, I found a poem like in here that I had bookmarked, um, mm. where she was talking about like you know beauty really being about the you know the inner fire the inner soul and i i think she believes that um but there's also that that like that pressure to like commodify how you look and the fact that it would be successful very successful for her because of the way she kind of fits in with the expected kind of like beauty standards and things like that mm. and i yeah, I felt this new level of being able to kind of relate to that pressure, to being like there's so much pressure that uh, you might be doing something that really has nothing to do with your face, you know, like being a tarot reader. Mm. You know what I mean? Like my hands would be more important to my, you know, maybe like my visual presentation and stuff. But there's there's a lot of pressure to be like take a pretty photo of your face, like really like yeah, so that people can kind of. I guess, like, meet you and, like, uh, you know, meet you kind of online, get a sense of who you are, connect a face yeah. to the name. But then, mm. you know, that's – it's not that – it's not quite that sort of simple, you know, be kind of, you know, naive even in my own head to be like, oh, it's just about people sort of knowing who I am so they could remember me in this, like, sea of, like, people. There's this pressure to be like, well, I need to look a certain way um you're basically standards yeah you're basically making the platform attractive for the yeah. company that owns it like you're yeah. just adding a little bit of sparkle to whatever mm. else is there that day mm -hmm. that's your job at that point yeah creating um, yeah, yeah sort of content that yeah is meant to be for you but then yeah it's meant to be for you and your business but yeah is and it? yet we're all doing it yes we're exactly exactly it. and that's something i didn't really kind of like explore in my article i think i was aware of but i didn't really kind of explore like i didn't kind of bring myself very much into the 
the parts of like a meal that I really kind of recognize or the way in which like I value her book as an aesthetic object like it sits in my bookshelf to be seen and the way in which I have a complicated relationship with that like really valuing aesthetics and really valuing her aesthetic but then there being all sorts of like um difficulties within that space within capitalism and you know like the difficulties of self-promotion and like marketing and like yeah it sounds like you while you can see that she's there's problems with her project Mm. you're not actually you're not entirely ready to just walk away and yeah. just be like well yeah no because i yeah. mean if i did then i'd have very few books on my bookshelf too <laughs> <laughs> i enough. mean you know, if it was just like oh i can only have things that are kind of like the best representation of the world <laughs> i'm very no, interested in the problems yeah. too i and that's why i wrote that that article because i i'm really interested in those um those areas of tension i mean there are some people i dismiss like i really dismiss like rupee Mm. like i'm really annoyed that she has like four million like followers and more books that i can't stand i recently googled what's a poet and the suggested (laughs) images were milk and honey the sun and her flowers and homebody oh god (laughs) (laughs) no and so that's that's yeah that's um again where i where i go into this sort of pearl clutching version of my well worst self and and i had this interaction um with a friend who I've, I've talked about before but she was really into kate bayer i don't know if you're aware of her um her thing is like oh, i'm a feminist um men hate me and i hate them back and so she writes poetry like that and um yeah so so my friend uh was following Kate Bayer and and liked her poems mm-hmm. her her Instagram poetry yeah. and bought Kate Bayer's book mm-hmm. and then was like Alice I never really understood what you did before mm-hmm. but now I finally get it because I've read Kate Bayer and here you go I'm going to lend you this book because I think you'd like it too mm-hmm. yeah and it broke my heart because oh. I was like you know you're like no this is not what I do it's not I mean maybe maybe it is what I do but I don't think so i hope not yeah. and also i don't think this friend of mine has read my book i think yeah. she's just read kate bayer <laughs> anyway so coming from the best of places from a friend but <laughs> a good example of being like no i don't want to be represented yeah. by these particular people yeah and and i guess you know when we say that i feel like the counter argument is mm. oh don't be so stuck up you know yeah it, include everyone yeah it's de- you know be democratic about yeah. it it's all poetry it's all yeah. good you know but it's, it's not <laughs> but it's not all good <laughs> it's not all good and it's not being published because people some publishing houses are publishing poetry because they really care rabbit is about po- like is about publishing stuff because they really care about poetry and the people who read poetry and write poetry are the editors and they really care and there are these books being published out there that are not because people care they do not give a shit about what might be considered poetry or not it's going to make the company a lot of money and then the and then the teachers and then the and then the people who work in those industries like say oh you don't do it for the money but my god 
you know, I'm looking at their, like, <laughs> they're coming into my classroom and I'm looking at their shoes and I'm like, those are, like, those are expensive shoes. <laughs> You're wearing, like, an Apple Watch. You know what I mean? And they come in, you know, like, these boomers being like, oh, you don't do it for the money. And I'm like, get fucked. <laughs> As <laughs> if you only did this for the money. I mean, you would not publish this trash unless it was going to make a lot of money. You publish this, like, blonde idiot who's not writing poetry, who's just, like, absolute kind of drivel, who has no craft <laughs> because she has four million followers. And so you'll get a lot of readership. Yeah. Apologies to any blonde listeners. Yeah, um, sorry. <laughs> I have, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I guess the best case scenario with that, so I used to work with a tiny little publisher in, in Canberra and mm-hmm. um, the guy who ran it said every publishing house needs a cookbook mm, that's need... what my teacher said too yeah, yeah. right okay yeah. so it's a thing um, it's definitely a thing yeah, yeah now it might be every publishing house needs to yeah. needs an insta poet yeah i think um, definitely yeah. insta poets are sort of becoming their kind of cookbook mm. and it was and i was like okay so that's like an ugly and difficult trade-off that i'm somewhat you know familiar with and i was like okay that's ugly and difficult but not untrue and I can understand that Um, yeah 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 I recently watched a very shitty documentary about T.S. Eliot that talked about um you know how he was he was the inspiration for cats Mm -hmm. and then apparently the money that came from cats like Mm -hmm. just the insane wealth Mm -hmm. that that thing Mm -hmm. generated Mm -hmm. went back into the Elliot estate and into Mm -hmm. Faber and Faber Mm -hmm. and because Faber and Faber had that money they were able Mm -hmm. to publish people like Kazuo Ishiguro and mm. Peter Carey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's kind of, you know, maybe another another way that mm. I, I think I just invented trickle-down economics. Yeah. But like, <laughs> you know. And now we hope that it works. <laughs> we hope that it works. We hope that the publishers, it's a, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's about where's the publisher's heart. Yeah, absolutely. And mm. what are they, what are they truly interested in? Mm. And yeah, there absolutely are those kind of like difficult trade-offs where you're like, I... You know, this thing will kind of make us the money that will allow us to do a another project mm. that's, you know. Hopefully. Yeah, that's it. That's what you hope for. It's what you hope for. <laughs> there are all sorts of difficult compromises within capitalism. <laughs> oh, that's really great. Yeah. Um, is there any other, is there anything that I didn't lead you to that you really wanted to talk about? Oh, I can't think of it. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we talked about Anil. Yeah, yeah. I think she's fascinating and like Yeah. I don't know. I when you look at her Mm. her account, Mm. my immediate reaction is just deep worry. Okay. Yeah. I'm just like, God, she doesn't seem she seems very like she looks kind of unwell, you know, like yeah, yeah. very thin and drawn and everything. Which, you know, I know that's like obviously absolutely none of my business, but But that's um, the thing, it's like that's the bizarre thing about social media is that we are invested in these people and their health and their marriages, even though we don't know them. And um, you know, often we are invited to be invested. Yeah. Um, You're invited then, so far in, like way further in than you probably should be. Yeah, yeah. There's really mm. difficult boundary stuff to kind of negotiate there. Mm. Um, yeah, and so we are invested in these people as if they were our friends and we know things about, intimate things about them. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, and there's the, the difficult thing of being like, you don't, because you don't actually know this person, you don't know, like, how much, like, you know, how much of this stuff is kind of actually authentic and how much are, like, the pressures that they're kind of under mm. to be certain ways, even to, you know, appear sad, even to appear, like, yeah. a bit sickly. Um, mm. You know, it's this really... And there's, I think there's, and there's so much push of everything to have this kind of, like, bizarre kind of, quote-unquote, authentic transparency. Like, everything has to... Um, like even the fantasy has to somehow be authentic. Mm. So I just feel it's like it's a weird space to negotiate. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. Fantasy has to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah, like you I'm know, never like, gonna do it. Yeah, <laughs> I refuse. I'm never gonna become an Instagram poet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much.